You're listening to the In the Family Way podcast. This podcast is about all things pregnancy, labor, and postpartum. On it, you'll hear short, uncensored information regarding starting a family. You may want to throw on some headphones because when we say uncensored, we mean uncensored. If you're overwhelmed by all the confusing and conflicting info out there on the internet and in books surrounding pregnancy, labor, and parenthood, stay tuned and subscribe. Today, we'd like to share Eleanor's story of her first pregnancy while being a college student and coming home after the birth of her first daughter, Soraya. Hey. Hey. How's it going? I don't know. I'm living. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So uh, today, like Alex said, I'm going to be talking about um, my first pregnancy, which um, eventually inspired me to become a birth worker. These are always special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got pregnant my junior year of college. And I remember just being flooded with every single emotion imaginable when I found out that I was pregnant. How old were you? Um, I was 21. So I had her when I was 22. Mm -hmm. It was pretty crazy. I was one of those weird people whose periods was extremely regular um to the hour like I would know like mm, around like two or three o'clock this afternoon You're I'm like gonna get a, my period a period unicorn I was a period unicorn <laughs> and so I remember waking up Christmas morning of course and I was spotting and I was like hmm I'm three days early this is really weird so I popped in a tampon and then you know went to my grandparents house and we did the whole Christmas thing and we opened presents or whatever and I was thinking okay it's like time to change my tampon so I went to the bathroom to change my tampon and it was basically dry Mm -hmm. like there was nothing I bet that felt amazing um (laughs) oh yeah so great pulling it out and um that alarmed me and I was like that's really weird so I So I Googled it, and uh, I Googled spotting before your period. And the first thing that came up was implantation spotting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Like, and I knew it. I just knew, right? I knew that I was pregnant. And on New Year's Eve, I'm out with my best friend, who I also call my sister, because we truly are identical twins, even though we're not blood related, Mm -hmm. in every way, shape, or form. We look alike, personality, all of that. So I'm out with my sister. And we go to this amazing restaurant here in Houston called Papacitos uh, to get food. And I ordered fish tacos. Fish tacos get to the table. I take one bite and am overcome with nausea. Oh, I knew. Like, I knew this was coming. Like, gonna lose it, right? <laughs> so I rush to the bathroom and, you know, nothing happens, right? I'm just, like, super nauseous. Uh, so I go back to the table and Kate's like, what was that and so we're talking about it or whatever and the nausea just won't go away so our poor waiter comes back up to us how's everything we're like "Mm, can we get this to go uh so we go to a cvs we buy a pregnancy test and on the way to her house uh we are joking about why do they put two pregnancy tests in a box like how can you fuck this (laughs) up right like why would you need more than one whatever Anyways, don't read the instructions. Never taken a pregnancy test in my life. I get to the bathroom and I'm like, I'm going to pee on this stick, man. And I had a very full bladder. So I peed my entire bladder on the stick. Uh, And we bought the digital kind. 
And um, that's fancy. we're sitting there for like 10, 15 minutes and it's flashing and it's flashing a picture of a book. And she's like, hmm. So we open the instructions after having joked about knowing how to do this. We open the instructions and the instructions where it says the book symbol says it literally says go back and read the instructions. So apparently you're only supposed to pee on pregnancy sticks for five seconds. Oh, okay. Um, had no idea. Mm-hmm. So we needed the second stick. <laughs> Uh, so I pee on a stick and like not even 30 seconds later it pops up pregnant like oh my god super pregnant the right hormones were strong within you yeah so it's horrible whatever and I just remember you know every single emotion imaginable right um I immediately had this like strong sense of like love for this baby which was like very maternal of me you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also had this like complete panic of what I should do next right I'm a junior in college I'm 21 years old I come from a Catholic background so like very conservative wait till you have you know wait till you're married to have sex and all that kind of stuff um, I felt sad like I had let down my family I felt scared that I'd have to drop out of school I'd never be mm-hmm. successful no one was ever gonna love me I was never gonna have this like perfect life that I had envisioned for myself of like falling in love and getting married and and doing all the things and going on a honeymoon, right? And all the things that I thought that would never happen. Um, But I knew, I had this gut feeling that I couldn't throw away the life that was inside of me. And so over the course of the next few months, like fighting morning sickness and extreme fatigue and all the things that um, are pretty common in the first trimester, the guy that I was with at the time, he was my boyfriend at the time, um, we kind of hatched out a plan. And we looked into every single option, right? We looked into abortion, we looked into adoption, we looked into getting married, uh, we looked into transferring universities. I was going to a university in New York City at the time. I am from Texas, Houston originally. So um, we looked to transferring universities so I could be closer to family, looked at taking time off school, getting a job, finishing my degree later. I mean, all the options, you name it, we looked at it. I was, you know, a really poor university student. I was working my way through college, paying for it pretty much all on my own. So I was working part-time probably 30 to 35 hours a week while attending classes full-time. And, you know, my family isn't they're you know they're well off but they're not extremely well off so I knew that they weren't going to be in a financial situation to fully support me and help me in any way and so I knew that if I was going to do this if I was going to be a mom and raise this kid I was going to need to do everything in order to pay for my kid yeah there was no safety net for me right but I was really really determined to finish school and figure out a way to do it 1600 miles away from my family um so I told my family by mailing them letters (laughs) because I was sitting here thinking, right, like this very conservative family, I'm going to call them on the phone and say, hey, I'm pregnant and I'm not going to get another word in, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know, an email is very impersonal, right? Like, <laughs> of course. Handwriting. That's our meat in the middle. Well, I actually typed it. Okay. Did you at least sign the bottom? Oh, I did. I did. Okay, I signed okay. the bottom. So <laughs> I typed them letters and I mailed it. And, you know, the letter started out something, as I can remember, like, you know, as by the time you're reading this, I am 13 weeks pregnant, right? Because um, I waited until my first trimester was done because there was always that, like, what if I have a miscarriage in my first right. trimester kind of a thing. But needless to say, you know, um, my pregnancy was kind of a turmoil. I lost my... My housing scholarship at the university because they didn't have a system in place for um, people who had children. And so, you know, it was just basically meant for single university students. Um, And so, you know, finding a place to live in New York City and trying to stay in school and do all of those things. Needless to say, it was a super stressful situation trying to figure out financial aid. 
um, trying to figure out how to take a semester off, take for medical leave, all the paperwork, all of that. Plus, not only going to school while pregnant and experiencing morning sickness while in class, and then, you know, kind of seeing my professor's eyes of like, hmm, what's 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 going on there? Um, putting the pieces together. And putting the pieces together that I was growing a human. That this per- <laughs> yeah. So it was really fun telling um, some of my more conservative professors. But for the most part, my my professors were amazing. They were super, super lenient about turning in work and making sure that I did everything that worked for my schedule because of my uh, condition, right? I say condition with like (laughs) air quotes around it, you know? So needless to say, uh, it was a really stressful situation and um, my blood pressure started to rise due to all of the stress. Now, because I wanted to be like extra special, um, I decided that I was going to have a home birth (laughs) Um, for my first baby in a in an apartment in New York City Um, and so I had a midwife I saw the business of being born documentary pretty early on in my pregnancy and just got really really into learning about more I guess holistic and natural ways of giving birth and like going the unmedicated route and I'll stop you right there because I want to to kind of rewind a bit the business of being born is a great documentary by None other than Ricky Lake. Yes. Yeah, I love Ricky Lake. <laughs> Ricky Lake. You remember watching her shows yeah, as a I kid? I sure do. <laughs> and Jenny Jones. So, yeah. But Ricky Lake actually put this documentary together, and it's really great. And I think right now, because of quarantine, they're they're hosting for free. Like, you're able to watch it. So just give it a Google, and um, it's definitely worth the hour or so. So, but keep going. So you watched yeah. The Business of Being Born. So I watched The Business of Being Born, and it got me hooked on home birth. And uh, so I found a midwife in New York. But due to all the stress and everything, my blood pressure started to rise. And if you become high risk in any way, you are not a candidate for home birth. Because, you know, it makes sense. You have higher blood pressure. There's risk associated with that. And so you need to be in a hospital where there is uh, extra monitoring and right. kind of extra care happening. Mm-hmm. Where they're prepared for that um, kind of. Where they're prepared to deal with any sort of potential situation that can arise from high blood pressure, right? Three days before my due date. And uh, this was two days after suffering an apartment fire in my apartment and basically losing the location of my home birth. Um, I had a midwifery appointment and my blood pressure again was high at the appointment and my midwife decided to drop me. And uh, she basically gave me a piece of paper with a couple of names written on it and said, hey, you know, find these OBs and call them and see if they'll take you. And then, you know, said goodbye to me. And honestly, I never heard from her again. So I kind of had this really... That's crappy terrible. experience with a midwife mm-hmm. um now now that I'm older or I have realized that you know midwives for the most part aren't like this right um, yeah. and having worked with midwives too even for clients that have ended up transferring um to hospitals because of increased risk in their pregnancy um typically the midwives tend to do the postpartum care for them anyways yeah, and continue to disappear. follow up and everything they don't just disappear so I had this horrible experience with my midwife but I found an OB that would take me three days before my due date And honestly, she was a saint. She knew that I was coming from a home birth situation. So anytime she came in the room and tried to offer some sort of intervention or something, she would say, I know that this is not what you wanted now that you're here at the hospital. So I'm going to give you 20 minutes. I'm going to come back and and let you decide. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really cool. So I actually had a wonderful, wonderful birth experience at the hospital. I ended up getting an epidural and all of that. But they turned down the epidural when I was pushing. So I was able to feel her as she came out, which Mm -hmm. was super cool. But, you know, despite that beautiful birth experience, I had a horrible, horrible postpartum experience. And I think... 
it really was the combination of you know, everything that was going on in my pregnancy, kind of being in this unstable living condition, being unstable financially. Mm -hmm. Um, I was no longer working. I didn't have an income whatsoever. And, you know, again, like I didn't have a family that could, they, you know, they helped me as much as they could, but they couldn't fully 100% financially support me. So postpartum, I just, I had a really, really horrible experience. And I remember feeling this huge rush of panic immediately after my baby was born. And I don't think that panic really fully left me for two or three years. I was panicked that I was going to mess things up. I was panicked that I was going to hurt my daughter somehow, right? Here's this human being and I have to take care of her and there's all this responsibility for doing that. You know, now I think looking back on it, I should have been clinically diagnosed with postpartum OCD and depression and anxiety, but I wasn't. Um, and I suddenly lost all this confidence in my ability. You know, I was confident I was going to have this home birth and unmedicated and all of this. And then, you know, I have my birth and all of a sudden I have zero confidence. Um, so much had built up to the actual part of giving birth that once I did it and once I accomplished what I was set out to do, I had no grasp on what was going to happen next. Mm. I didn't plan for postpartum at all. I was so uneducated that honestly, I didn't even realize you had to give birth to the placenta after you had a baby. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I don't know, I guess in my head, I thought like it just like absorbed back into you or something. Like, like, right? Like, like, but I was so, I had done all this education that was in some ways kind of fear mongering around hospital birth um, where I was going to have this natural birth and I wasn't going to have any drugs and do all the things um, that I didn't, there was no prep, right, right, for what happens postpartum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I had her, school had already started uh, back up for the semester. And so, you know, a lot of my friends who said, oh, we're going to come by and we're going to visit and we're going to hang out, you know, they, they didn't. And I don't fault them for that, right? College is intense, especially the university that I went to. And so I know they had good intentions, but school starts up and you have shit to do. Right. Um, you don't have time to – travel into Manhattan from the Bronx and Mm -hmm. visit your friend and help them out. And I'm sure they had no idea what to do either because we were all so young. My best friend did uh, stop by uh, for about an hour um, after I had my baby and she dropped off a cute little hat for my new daughter. And I remember there sitting in the hospital in postpartum. I had an old backpack that was kind of falling apart with a change of clothes in it. And that's all I had. Um, and no one else came to visit me and that was it. The nurses would come in and they would ask, Hey, you know, is anybody going to come visit? Or, um, they'd come in and they would urge me to sleep. Just all I wanted to do was have someone there with me. It was very, very lonely. I just needed someone there to hold my hand. I remember the first time I ever had to change my daughter's diaper at the hospital. I had to have a nurse actually walk me through all the steps Mm -hmm. because I was so unsure of myself. And so panicked that I couldn't make the diaper tight enough around my daughter's waist because I was so terrified of hurting her. I was really, really determined to breastfeed. And that was, you know, my main focus. I think postpartum, that was the only thing that I could focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, So all that I did and all that I wanted to do was just hold my daughter for hours and never put her down. I did manage to get into a breastfeeding class with a lactation consultant. 
at the hospital and that was probably the best confidence boost that I could have had so it was like the one thing I left the hospital feeling confident about like I can latch my baby (laughs) and I can breastfeed her right Um, so that is really what uh, what I focused on I also remember at one point in postpartum that my doctor came in to check on me and I was so used to playing this strong card of like I got this shit handled I got it figured out especially being the like pregnant college person on campus with all these people asking me questions about Mm -hmm. you know what are you gonna do how are you gonna take care of this baby blah 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 and so I was so used to putting on that front that when my OB came in and was like how are you feeling I smiled at her and said I'm feeling amazing I feel fabulous I'm not in any pain at all and if any of you guys have ever had a baby like that is the biggest lie ever everything is leaking yeah yeah and that's normal it's not cute or fun to talk about but that's normal and so I remember my doctor being like wow that's amazing um but I think you know again like I was in such this such a daze and I was so panicked that I couldn't even understand what was going on with my body right my body felt alien um I remember falling asleep on the first night and rolling onto my stomach which like in the hospital bed yeah in the hospital bed how did you manage Um, that I don't even know right (laughs) Um, but like I woke up in a panic because I thought I had crushed my baby, right? right? Like, and even though my baby had already been born and it was almost as if giving birth was a dream and my baby had somehow been stolen. And so I was just alone and exhausted and in this hospital room and it was just awful. So on the third day when Soraya was able to come home with me, the hospital wouldn't release her because... I didn't have her first pediatrician appointment set up. And I panicked again Mm -hmm. because I realized that I had not even picked out a pediatrician for my kid. Mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought of picking out a pediatrician for my kid because no one had discussed that with me. I didn't realize they were supposed to go to the pediatrician on the second day of their life or the third day or whatever, right? And I had no idea that the hospital wasn't going to release her until I found one. I hadn't thought about health insurance for her. I hadn't thought about any of this stuff. And so, like, I frantically, again, Google searched um, and found, like, five different pediatricians and called them um, and finally found one that would take my daughter and set up an appointment because, you know, the first four basically told me that they didn't accept new patients with a two-day notice. Um, Imagine that. Duh. Like, find a pediatrician for your kid before they're born, please. I don't know if um, that's just a New York thing. Because, I don't know. Because I don't – well, this is your soapbox, but I don't remember that being an issue here. Yeah, they wouldn't They wouldn't release her okay. uh, to me. So um, I put on a front, like, oh, yeah, let me get that information for you. Like, didn't – of course, like, just, just like, oh, I have their – I have their number here on my phone. Oh, my phone is dead. Let me let me charge my phone for a little bit and then I'll get back to you. Yeah, on, confident on the, Eleanor. On that. Yeah, just like bullshitting my way <laughs> through this, right? When the reality was I was like, oh, fuck. I don't know what I'm doing. So anyways, like I never let on in the hospital that I had no idea what I was doing. I never let on to my family, to my friends. And I think I was just so used to this habit of reassuring everybody that I got into the habit of doing that with, you know, the doctors and the pediatrician and all and of that. And yourself, it sounds like. Um, yeah, and even myself, right? So I was scared that my daughter wasn't getting enough food with breastfeeding. I was scared that she wasn't getting enough sleep. I was scared the hospital wasn't going to let me take her home. I was definitely afraid that someone was going to find out that I was just a complete fraud, right? Like here I was, 22 years old, technically single, and the relationship was like not, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and in this like 
predominantly white hospital on the Upper East Side of New York where like mostly rich people were giving birth in their 30s, married, all of that, right? Because that's mm-hmm. who I like where I ended up with my OB. And I was just so afraid of all of these people judging me for all of my actions. And I felt like I was being scrutinized for every single move that I was making. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that wasn't the case, but that was kind of the panic that was setting in. I truly felt like I was drowning and I had no support system to help me out. I felt distanced from everyone and it truly felt like it was just me and my daughter facing the world. I was so terrified for her in so many ways and so terrified for myself and things were just not going well. So fast forward to us going home, the only thing that I could handle was breastfeeding, right? Uh, It was the only thing I felt confident. So I nursed my kid until she fell asleep. And then my heart would literally be just like pounding and leaping out of my chest as I put her into bed with this thought of, please don't wake up, please don't wake up, please don't wake up, please stay asleep, please stay asleep, please, 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 please. And as soon as she, I would put her down, she would like stir even the slightest or wake up even slightly. I'd pick her back up again and like shove her on my boob, mm-hmm. right? I was like, oh my God, she can't be awake. Um, or like after she would sleep, if I heard even the smallest little yelp from her, I would run Um, to her and drop everything that I was doing just to nurse her again and I would just nurse her until she fell asleep over and over again this kid was like very well fed (laughs) I mean I don't think you can technically overfeed a breastfed baby right right, but um, she wanted for nothing she got a lot of boob And then if she didn't fall asleep when I was nursing, I would rock her and rock her and rock her until she fall, fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really just so anxiety ridden that I couldn't set her down while she was awake. Um, like, what if she cries? What if she doesn't go to sleep? Right. I'm not going to be able to s- escape from this reality again and drown out my anxiety by distracting myself with something else. So I was super depressed. I lied to myself. I lied to my family. I lied to my doctor at my six-week appointment and mm-hmm. said, like, everything's going great. Everything's fine. Because I was so afraid that people were going to see me fail. In a lot of ways, I felt like I had to prove to the world that I could do this, that I wasn't going to fail as a single mom, as a college kid. I wasn't going to be a college dropout. Um, I wasn't going to be that person that was like stuck on food stamps. And I mean, like just all the kind of like negative connotations, the the judginess, right? Which the reality was like, girl, food stamps fed us for over a year Mm -hmm. and thank God it did. Right. Because that's what it's for. Exactly. Because we needed it. So deep down inside, I was just breaking down. So how did you cope with those feelings? Like when did it start to turn around for you? So when Soraya started to get a little older... I started to be able to cope better when she started to kind of move and play. As I started to play with her and notice her roll over or reach out for things and toys, um, I became more and more confident in my skills. So did you ever feel safe enough to open up to your friends or family or your provider about how you were feeling or did you ever get help from medication, you know, to get you into a better place? Honestly, no. I managed by just focusing on the next step. Mm -hmm. So for me, the next step was finish school. Mm -hmm. Um, And as soon as I finish school, I can leave New York and I can move back home and I can get a job. And then I got a job. And then it was, okay, now I got to be able to pay the bills and I got to do this and I got to do this. And it was just on and on and on um, with a lot of anxiety and depression um, for the first 
I want to say two or three years of her life mm-hmm. while still putting this outside front to the world that I was doing okay. I think my family knew, like looking back on it, my mom's like, oh yeah, totally. Like we knew that like you were not happy. <laughs> well, thanks mom. Uh, <laughs> yes. um, but I mean, I was pushing them away, right? right? Uh-huh. I wasn't letting them into the situation. They would ask me about things and I would just say, oh, things are great. But you know, like right. there was never, there was never me opening up because I did, have I felt like I had to continue to prove to them that mm-hmm. I was doing it and I wasn't failing and in my head asking for help meant failure so yeah it was finally at a breaking point when Soraya was about three years old I hit a wall where I truly felt like I was a bad mom even though I wasn't, right? Like all the outside signs pointed to like me being freaking awesome. Like right. I fucking rock that shit, right? Like, <laughs> But up here in your head. But in my head, right, I had degraded myself down so low that I thought I was a bad mom. And I literally, I left her with my boyfriend at the time, same guy, but like still a bad relationship, like shouldn't have been in that relationship, right? I left her with him and I got into my car and I started driving. Mm-hmm. And I truly was just like, in my head saying fuck this she's better off without me I'm gonna drive I don't know where maybe Oklahoma whatever and start a new life because Mm -hmm. I don't deserve this and she doesn't deserve me as a mom and about an hour or so into that drive I kind of came to my senses and I turned back around and I came home and it was at that moment I decided that I needed therapy uh, and I needed someone professional to help me Mm -hmm. and honestly you know my therapist was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I actually went to the uh, college counselors at the school that I was working at. <laughs> it was like, yeah, counselors, um, I need a therapist. Who do you recommend? And they gave me a really good name, which was awesome. Uh, and I started seeing her and she was the one who made me realize that the relationship that I was in was emotionally abusive and controlling and that you know this and I was being gaslit all the time and that I really was uh the reality of the situation was that I was really doing a great job and it was through therapy that I think the fog kind of lifted Mm -hmm. and I started to see wow holy shit I've been depressed I don't think you realize how depressed you are until you get Oh, out of, of it. Right. Yeah. Right. How, and so how far down you were. <laughs> yeah. And so then when I started to come out of my depression um, through therapy, I was like, oh, wow, I've been really depressed. And so it was it was through that that I was able to really find the confidence to leave that relationship and, you know, move out of the apartment that I was living in. And I had racked up, of course, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in debt Mm -hmm. (laughs) through all of this just kind of charging stuff on credit cards and trying to again put on a front and yeah survive Mm -hmm. so it wasn't until and I know like this is another podcast episode that we'll get to but it wasn't until my second birth eight years later I eventually found a really great guy. He's amazing. Um, Got married and had another baby. Um, And so it wasn't until uh, my second birth and pregnancy that I uh, discovered doula work and got really, really into it and um, realized that what I experienced in my first birth is something that's pretty common and is something that shouldn't happen. 
Um, and I think I always knew that uh, birth birth was always super fascinating to me even after my daughter's was born, Soraya was born. I subscribed to a uh, newsletter called Midwifery Today, and I still continue to get their stuff. Um, but I, but you know, for the eight years after Soraya was born, I was reading all their articles and reading magazines and watching movies and documentaries regarding birth and home birth and birth centers and all of that kind of stuff. And um, I've always been super, super passionate about supporting people. And it's always been a mission of mine to, I don't know, eventually start some sort of organization that can, a nonprofit or something that can help mm-hmm. people like me, how I was in college mm-hmm. um, and, and going through it really and going through pregnancy. Well, I mean, I think that I'm really glad that you are sharing birth stories. And I feel like with this podcast, it's, it's really important to, you know, hit on these topics that we wish our clients and our friends and family know, but also share our stories because that's a big part of healing and, you know, getting to know each other. And, that, and I mean, this is just as important as one of our more educational episodes. So I really appreciate you sharing it with us. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for letting me share my story and giving me the space to do so. Um, it was a hard birth. It was a really challenging birth. It was a challenging time in my life, but it truly shaped me to who I am today. Thanks so much for listening today to my birth story of my first daughter. So I wanted to wrap it up with the question that we end every episode with, uh, which is how are you going to take care of yourself this week? I am going to nap every day. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Even though I probably shouldn't, I feel like I never get enough sleep with the shift work hours that I put in. And that's it, since I'm in between clients, I think that that's a good time to just indulge a little bit. That's Maybe beautiful. About an hour every single day. Ooh, like that a, sounds so like luxurious. A <laughs> like a toddler. <laughs> like a toddler. <laughs> like a really good toddler, though. Like an because, amazing toddler. <laughs> yeah, because my two-year-old is currently nap striking, so... <laughs> So, a really beautiful time. Oh, I'm sorry for your loss it's okay. of hour in the afternoon. <laughs> so tell me, how are you going to take care of yourself this so week? So I'm going to take care of myself by focusing on my water intake. I feel like I used to be oh, really, really good at it. That's a good one. And, Do you uh, feel like it's gotten more since we've been at home in lockdown? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, since we've been like at home. When I was out working and I carry my big jug with me, I would like slam water down. And now that I'm at home, I'm not carrying my jug around like, I don't even know if I drank water at all. Like, I had an iced coffee today. Yeah. I used to – my day was so scheduled, especially as a teacher. My mm-hmm. day was so scheduled that I knew that there were certain breaks during the day where I would refill my water. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I got my water in. But now that I'm home, I don't remember, like, have I refilled my water bottle today? I don't know. It just – it blurs together because mm-hmm. I think I'm multitasking so right, much right. that I'm refilling and also talking to a kid or like, you know, do, mm-hmm. loading the dishwasher or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so my focus this week is to really focus on my water intake because I feel so much better when I drink enough water. Yeah. For shizzle. For shizzle. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us this week. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast and actually download the episodes whenever you see them that helps us out mucho and we hope to see you back next time yeah and if you could leave a review i would love that thank you thank you (laughs) bye-bye